Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Moms That Say Fuck, hosted by yours truly, Alana Kapitz and Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm Alana, the CEO and founder of Moms Toronto. We're on a mission to bring moms together and give them a great day, revolutionizing maternity leave. And I'm Dr. Dina Kulik. I'm a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor. I provide no-nonsense child health advice, dispelling myths, and empowering parents to parent confidently and raise your healthiest kids. Together, we have six kids under eight. We are eager to chat with other moms, entrepreneurs, and interesting people about everything from sex to alcohol, sleep woes, and body shaming. We aren't afraid to talk about taboo topics or share our many opinions. We say it like it is and want to get to the heart of the issues facing moms and caregivers everywhere. Come join us. I thought you looked powerful. Cool. Look, look, power pose. <laughs> you nice look job. awesome. You look like an Oxima model from like the 80s and 90s. Oxima, oh my God. You look like so it's, fresh it's face. It's the hair. It's the brows. It's, yeah, you have the Topanga yeah, thing going on. I love it. Just, <laughs> I like I like the first paragraph. The, to read the second is too long. But. <clears throat> Ready? Let's try. Are you, are you recording it? Uh, Tia, right? Yeah, and you guys edit this? That's right. You do, no. We don't, don't edit anything. We literally just, just talk. Yes. We're not live, but yeah, we just go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this We're recording this whole thing. We don't launch okay. this. Yeah. Uh, uh, T is a teacher, business owner, and most importantly, a mom to her two adorable boys, Hudson, age nine, and Beckett, age seven. She lives in Toronto, Canada, where she balances her life being a mom, a wife, and a mompreneur. She has a master's degree in early childhood education and taught kindergarten in the United States before moving to Canada. Tia has found her passion working with kids and families for over 15 years. She's the founder of Tia Slight. Sidem. Sidem, sorry. <laughs> Parenting Solutions, where she works with parents to teach them positive ways to decrease the daily struggle we all encounter as parents. Tia will work alongside you to tailor plans that best suit you to your family-specific needs. The positive solutions will be effective and long-lasting and will help you and your child reconnect. Let's start talking. Wow, that was perfect. Let's start I, talking. I thought you said founder. She's the founder. Founder. Gangster. Did I say founder? Yeah, founder. Founder. Yep. I was like, you sound super cool now because you're a founder. <laughs> founder? You're a founder. Founder. Um, welcome to you. Thank you for Mom's having me. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm good. Okay. So it was sunny today, so yeah, I'm man. happy to it have it. It is sort of kind of summer ish. But yeah, so it, is now, it is now 16 degrees in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And it's, it's the end of May, and it should be warmer than it is. Mm-hmm. But it is better than minus 16. So I will take it. We're not but you're wearing like boots. a tank top and shorts. Oh, I'm wearing, yeah. like, ready I'm wearing a sweater and long pants. <laughs> I know. I did have yeah. a jacket. I was wearing yeah. business ca- like casual all day. So I was hmm. just stripped down when I got home. Okay. Tell us about you, Tia, besides what I just read. Oh, gosh. About me. Yes. I've been in Canada 12 years. Where are you from? I'm an American. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Ooh. Yeah. So. My husband lived there for a bit. Oh, where? The are extent you? of what I know about Portland yeah. is Nike. Nike. <laughs> That's literally and Adidas. Yeah. And Adidas. The headquarters oh. to both. Okay. My sister works for Adidas. That's the 50% off discount mm-hmm. if you need anything. Very nice. Um, yeah. So I was born and raised in Portland, which is the town of green hippies. Yeah. Keep Portland and weird. Really cool. Yeah. Keep Portland yeah. weird. And, and the food scene is insane. Pardon? The food scene is oh, bananas. Insane. That's food what my trucks. Doing They're there. known for food trucks yeah. downtown Portland. And then I moved here 12 years ago when I after I met my husband in Las Vegas, which sounds Stop. terrible. Mm. Sounds so terrible. I know. When I had to tell my 
then to be mother-in-law that we met in Vegas, it just sounded so slutty, but nothing <laughs> happened in Vegas. That was after the fact. Wink, wink. Nudge, yeah, nudge. actually nothing happened in Vegas. Not even okay. a kiss. Nothing happened in Vegas because I had a boyfriend that I needed to and dump with, before yeah. that. I liked him too much to do something naughty that he then wouldn't Respect you for. Yeah. 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 So we met in Vegas at my sister's bachelorette party and his brother's bachelor party. Cute. And we made dinner reservations at the same two restaurants, the same two nights, and we met at dinner the first night. That's cool. And wow. that was it. So when Did any came, other couples come out of that? No, actually, everybody in my sister's group was pregnant and married besides me with a boyfriend and one other girl who was single, which mm. they weren't chatting with. And then with him, it was all his brother's friends. And we were the two siblings that planned the parties and it was I know not everything happens for a reason but that sounds it pretty pretty much happened for a reason yeah. and that's so nice it was kind of like love at first sight which is crazy to say I never would have thought I would have believed in that and he kept saying I'm flying to Portland and taking you to dinner I'm like who flies and takes a school teacher to dinner like <laughs> who is gonna do that and two weeks later he came to Portland and I moved here three months later wow and yeah. now two kids and 12 years later. You didn't make a bad decision then, no. huh? No, and he's the greatest. So. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Yay. Oh, I that's love nice. That. That's it. So other than that, I'm busy. We're all crying. I know. <laughs> what a nice story. It was like a movie, yeah. kind of. It mm-hmm. was. That's but, so nice. Yeah. So, um, what, what restaurants? Tao. Yeah, that was, was the hot that. thing back then. I remember. I was also at 12, Tao, mm-hmm. 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah. For a, Actually, my best friend from high school did something fucked. She decided to have an engagement party and then surprise everyone at her engagement party and get married at our engagement party. I know a couple people that have done that. So she was like oh, original OG. Like 12 years ago she did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's still married? We had, yes. We actually, um, we actually, we're supposed to go to Vegas um, the next week to celebrate her stag and stag get together and it ended up being like the big wedding party was the parents like splurged on hotel rooms and dinners for everything and that was the first time I went to Tao with like 25 people. So fun. It was fun. Yeah. That was the hot place back then. Now, we haven't been back to Vegas since we met, so I think yeah. we need, probably need to do it. Well, it's funny you never come back. You'd think they'd be like, this would be a good place to like... I think because from Portland, it's a two-hour flight. It's easy. I went a lot growing up. It's but from very here, annoying to go from with here. kids, yeah. it's the time change. It's so far. And if I'm going to go that far, I feel like, are we really, we're not really gamblers. Are mm-hmm. we going to Vegas or are Vegas we going to do it for me. Beach? Yeah, it doesn't really do just, it for me. Yeah. yeah. And it was such sort of like a dreamland night or weekend. I don't know if I go back, it might kind of ruin it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you yeah. don't want to see Tao during the day, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Can't go for lunch at noon. Now we go to bed at nine. So yeah. I can't really do the same thing we did then. Jane's going to bed really soon. You'll hear yeah, us I snoring. do. Actually, yeah. my 10 year old said, Where are you going? It's so late. <laughs> I said, I know. I, I, when, when are you coming home? I'm like, I don't know. I, I didn't ask. I think 9 30 or 10, maybe. And he goes, That's so late for you. I'm like, I know, because we go to bed at nine. Yeah. What time do you get up? We get up at 6 15. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of sleep. Well, it's actually, we don't always go to bed at nine. I would say it's between nine and 10. And uh-huh. sometimes if we're out to dinner, it's like 10, 30 or 11. But uh-huh. I, I love a nine o'clock bedtime. For yourself. I'm my I can't best. even imagine. I'm my best with nine hours of sleep. Right. Oh Eight is okay, God. but nine is my dream. I also life. like nine hours of sleep. Yeah. I don't often get nine hours of sleep. What? but yeah. I haven't seen that probably since it might... 20. I, I now sleep from like 11 usually, yeah. 11.30-ish to like 7, 7.30. So I'm getting like eight hours typically. But on the weekend, I went to bed. I went to bed later though, probably like 12-ish, but then woke up at like 8.30-ish. Like that feels really good. Yeah, that oh, is good. I should go so to bed we early. can't get up ever, even on the weekends, later than, we're lucky if it's seven, because we usually have to be on pool deck or tennis courts by seven. Boo. Uh, My kids don't do anything earlier than nine. 
Yeah, so that's our problem. Like the very earliest is eight, and like I don't even like that. Like this weekend, my my kids' stuff was all canceled because it was a long weekend, and I was so Which thankful. Was so it was amazing. Nice. We slept until eight thirty or nine, it's three days in a row. A this morning we kept at seven thirty. I was like, I feel like shit. Yeah, who yeah. wakes up at seven thirty? Um, I do. Everyone I does. That's late for many people. Uh-huh. But it's but it was such yucky. a treat when things are canceled and you have time just to like. Yeah. Not. Yeah, we stopped doing things on weekends, but my I only have a two and a half year old. <laughs> right. One day you're doing stuff again. I think <laughs> next year I'll be on pool deck on Sundays. It starts at six, so that means being on pool deck at five fifty. Fuck that. I'm out already. I'd be like, I don't care if you guys like swimming. I don't care. Cool. Yeah. Five fifty. Are they competitive? Is that why it's so early? Yeah. One's competitive tennis, one's competitive swim. My seven year old plays about ten hours of tennis a week at seven. Obsessed. Wow. He's going to be Roger Federer, so just wow. watch out. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. obviously. It better it's be the easiest, it's the All this early, early mornings. Like, <laughs> One yeah, in 33 yeah. million will right. be Roger Federer, so yeah. we'll see how that goes. But wow, got to have dreams. My okay, kids are so, not into competitive sports, and I want to keep it that way. My kids are like functional in many sports, Which but obsessed with, with yeah, none, and I'm very okay with that. I want them to be good at everything, but not eight. So he's still little. Could could could, turn into, but like this yeah. year, like so he plays hockey. For example, he plays hockey and skates and has played kind of everything and swims and he's he's decent at everything. But again, excels at nothing. And he was like, "Can I try it for for select?" And we we're like, "Do you really want to wake up really early and play hockey?" He's like, "No." We're like, "Great, done. Okay. You're going back into house league. Like that was it." I was like, "That's it. great." <laughs> and like he wanted, he he's actually a very good runner. And we we're like, he's like, "Well, should I apply for the team?" We're like, "Can we get to wake up every, like you know once a week or twice a week at like six? Do you want to do that?" He's like. No, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no. amazing decision. Thank you for that. I love your decision. I changed my, my university degree because the tests were too early in right. undergrad. <laughs> so I was supposed to be in kinesiology. <laughs> but when the tests were at eight o'clock on Friday mornings, I changed my nope. major. So I yeah. can have the exact same philosophy. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about the sleep so I'm oh, okay yeah, with it. Okay, so Tia, tell us about your piece. Like, what's your fight song? What do you love to talk about? What do you love to educate about? Oh, I love to educate on parenting. I do. It is my passion. Yeah. Um, not that I am the best and the end all be all. Yeah. Um, I definitely make mistakes myself and think, why did I do that when I knew I should have done something different? Uh-huh. Um, but I love parenting and I love kids. I was a kindergarten teacher, like you mentioned in the beginning, and kids are so capable. And I find that sometimes, like as a whole, we forget just how capable kids are and how at the early age of two, they can do so many things. Okay, so riff on that. Go. What do you mean by that? And they want to do so many things. We tend to do, I used the word, everything Alana always has to make kids. some kind of silly noise. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys listen, you'll hear every single time Alana does something that's noisy in the middle of someone talking. Sorry, go ahead. Cracking very, things, very opening things. So what's a two-year-old capable of? Manipulating you. Yeah, true. <laughs> Having but, tantrums. But we can stop that. We can stop that. But... They can do things for you in the kitchen. Two-year-olds can tear lettuce to help make your salad. Two-year-olds can follow a chart with two or three things on it and do it independently and feel really good about themselves. Two-year-olds can be responsible for packing their water bottle at the door each day before you go. There are definitely things that your two-year-old can do. And then you grow on that as your kids get older. And as you do that, you fill up their power buckets and you help them feel strong and capable and independent. Just like when somebody does something for you all the time, you don't have anything to feel really proud of. Mm -hmm. That's how they feel when as parents, we step in and do everything for them, either because we're afraid it won't get done or it's going to be faster or easier if we can just do it for them. Yeah. we, we rob them of those opportunities. To, Power bucket. I like that. Yeah. Is that like a no one term or is that something so, you've coined? Yeah. So your kids actually have, I like to imagine that you have two imaginary buckets 
every single day above your kids' heads. There's a power bucket and there's an attention bucket. So the attention bucket is sort of self-explanatory, but it's like their love and attention from the people that mean the most to them. And there's a certain perspective that we need to meet our kids' attention. So I'll get back to that in a second. So mm-hmm. then the, the power bucket is your child's sen- sense of self-worth, confidence, capabilities, where do I fit in in my world? Um, more specifically, where do I fit in my family, especially if they've got siblings and they're the youngest or the middle or the oldest, they all have a certain sense of where they fit in. Mm-hmm. So we can fill up our kids' attention and power buckets proactively daily to avoid misbehaviors. So when your child's throwing a tantrum and banging their head against the wall or losing their mind and you're looking at them like, holy, what are you doing right now? You can swear on this podcast. It is called Moms I can swear you're right. I don't swear in front of my kids, so I'm pretty much trained. (laughs) She's whispering So I'm whispering crap. Uh, (laughs) We've already said fuck a few times. (laughs) We're like, fuck. She's like, crap. (laughs) I'm laughing very hard at the whisper of crap. Okay, continue. So when they are throwing an epic tantrum, we Uh tend to look at our kids and we're like, annoyed and irritated and frustrated, but really if you can imagine them wearing a giant sign around their neck that says, help me meet my needs, Mm -hmm. that's what that behavior is. All that behavior is, is either my basic needs haven't been met, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I've been taking on too many errands and been in too many furniture shops or whatever it is, or my emotional needs box hasn't been checked and my power and attention buckets are running on low, my tanks aren't full, and I'm going to fill them. And the only way I know how is by negative, typically by negative behaviors. Tina, this is okay. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're on the same page about this kind of stuff. She, Tia works at Kikru and has counseled many of my patients. And whenever parents have seen you, they come back, they're like, Tia says it's the exact same thing as you. <laughs> like, she's done the same. I was like, yeah, I know. That's great. That's amazing. That's, That's awesome. why Tia works with us, right? But um, I totally agree with you. I think that temper tantrums are an expression of something, whether they're fatigued, tired or hangry or yeah. whatever it is. And so you have to you know, figure those things out. Um, but they're attention seeking. And I'm all about not giving attention for negative behavior. Yeah. So I'm on board my personal recommendation is turn your back and walk away, basically. I call it active ignorance. And, uh, you know, let your kid have their meltdown. And it's okay. Like I say to families, you know, you might be angry and you want to go for a run or you want to scream into a pillow. Like people have frustrations and anger and we've you know, emotions we want to get out and that's totally okay and healthy. But I wouldn't expect me to be running through the street and screaming and people being like, good job, that was perfect. And similarly, rather, they'd, I would want people to be like, okay, hey, cool, you manage your own emotions in a calm way and express them properly. So I do the same thing with kids. Kids have a temper tantrum. I don't give attention for it, but I also don't tell them to stop either. Have your temper tantrum, throw yourself on the floor, he can stream, do your thing. I'm going to turn my back and walk away. And then when you calm down, then I'm going to reward you by giving the positive praise of being like, good job, you calmed down. So I'm not giving the attention for the craziness, but rather rewarding them for the calming. Mm. I see a lot of families, like the kid has a temper tantrum and they pick them up and they cuddle them and they go, it's okay, it's okay, or whatever it is, or they try to hold them and restrict them. That's totally not my strategy. Personally, I don't know what Tia's, but we'll talk about that. But rather, they freak out, do your thing, turn your back, come back when they're calm and then say, good job. And now do you want to tell me what you're feeling? Yeah. yeah I, so it's I not giving attention yeah. for the bad, but rather giving tons of attention for the positive. Because kids will only do what works for them. Yes. So if they're throwing a tantrum and you don't do what Dina's saying and ignore and you give attention, even if you're trying to hold them and say, I love you, I love you, it's okay, it's okay, 
you're telling them that that behavior is working. Yes. I'm going to fill up your attention bucket with undue attention because of that tantrum. That's not what we wanted. And next time you're going to freak out again, thinking that again, I'm going to give you that hug again. So I just don't give any attention for that. I'm just actively ignoring you. Calm Uh down. Then I'll give you lots of attention. So here's my question for you. And maybe you guys, this is, I love this. All of these podcasts are basically my personal counseling Mm -hmm. sessions. Perfect. Um, And many other parents (laughs) out there. (laughs) So tell me to you. So my son's having a tantrum, let's say he's two and a half or he does something he's specifically not supposed to do. Right. He knows he's not supposed to do it to the point where he's looking at me and he's going to try anyways. Lies. Don't kick your sister in the face. She's six months old. Don't kick her in the face. And I see him raise his leg like that. Like he's going to do it again, just as a test. He's looking right at me. He's literally testing me. What do you do? I would, in that instance, I would say, your, what's your daughter's name again? Essa. That Essa and I are going to leave the room if yeah. you can't be around us properly, because uh-huh. that's not safe. And I would control your body uh-huh. and your daughter's body instead of trying to control him. So if he started to kick, you don't grab his leg or anything like no, that? No, because at school. Yeah. I exactly yeah. agree. So I would pick up yeah. Essa and I'd walk away. Uh-huh. So I'm not giving you attention for this nonsense. Uh-huh. Do what the hell you want to do, but I'm taking Essa out of the scenario, not giving you attention, not picking you up, not talking right. to you about it, but removing Essa from the situation. So would, the, would, you, would your talk track be what exactly? Because mine is, Elias, we don't kick people because that hurts them. That's so we don't kick people. Keep you know we but don't he touch knows. people. He's, he knows that hurts, right? Yeah. So what does he do instead of saying it hurts or trying to explain it? You just literally remove yourself from the situation and then yeah. explain I it later. Say, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would let him know we're walking away because that's not safe. Uh-huh. You know the rules and then leave because when kids get to school, they can't control the bully. They can't control the person that's teasing them uh-huh. or taking their spot in line constantly. But they can control themselves, and right. you're role modeling for them that. I'm going to walk away when something doesn't work for me right. or I'm going to protect your little sister because she can't do it herself when right. something doesn't work for oh, her. Oh, that's so smart. Love it. Yeah, because so, what he's looking for is attention. So then you have this conversation, uh-huh. you know, I say negotiating with the terrorist, right? right. You're negotiating with a toddler. Oh, you yes, can't negotiate. He's terrorists. looking at you and right. saying, I'm going to do something at, like I'm going to be an asshole now. What right. are you going to do about it? Right. And, you're, and you're like, screw you. I'm not giving you attention for this craziness. I'm going right. to put my attention elsewhere. Right. Okay, so that's a good question. Okay, so how about a timeout? What's their strategy on timeouts for children under five? Do you like timeouts? I'm not a super fan of timeout. Nor am I. But I'm a fan of taking time to calm down. So I prefer like go to a calm down corner or to have a space where you have time to have your emotions. It's okay Mm -hmm. to be upset. It's okay to scream, cry, yell, whatever you need to do in that moment. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's not the parent's job to overpower and say, you need to go sit down. I also think if a child's really upset, there's nothing wrong with saying, would you like to go to the calm down corner with me? Do you want me to come and be with you or do you want to do it alone Uh and give them that choice? Calming down is one thing. I think it's better like we just talked about, to walk away from that child instead yeah. of trying to force them to sit somewhere. Yeah, okay. we, we also don't do timeouts. We do time by yourself. Yeah. So, same. and actually now, you know, two of our kids are really good at this now. Dylan never really needed this. He was an, he's eight. He, he never really had an issue with this. But even still, <laughs> daily or a few times a week, Ryan, who's six, will be like, I see time by myself. I'm going to my room. And he'll run up the stairs. Like, he'll be frustrated, overwhelmed with whatever's happening. And we've always framed it like being by yourself allows you to think through what's happening. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's time to be by yourself to like, figure it out, calm down, you know, reconnect with yourself, Uh you know, so he will frequently like take himself to his room by himself because he knows it'll make him feel better. Then he comes back down and he's like, can I join you again? So the way we framed with our kids is if you're bringing the family down, you shouldn't be around the family right now. Mm -hmm. So if you're being an asshole or fighting with one of your brothers or having temper tantrum, you need to be separated from everyone else because you're bringing the whole family down. You Mm -hmm. could join back at the family when you're elevating the family, making the family 
great again. God, I need that advice for my adult siblings right yeah. now. <laughs> Stop bringing my family yeah. down, fuckers. Um, sorry. I think it's a life skill. I think <laughs> it it's a, so you know, nice. And once yeah. it is That's a, a great skill. strategy. Yeah. I love that. And once you set it up, then you can put it back on them. So if it's like somebody starts to kind of back talk or be snappy or rude, you can say, I get the feeling you're not really your best self right now. Do you need a little time to calm down or are you able to switch it? And right. usually if they don't really want to go upstairs or calm down, they're like, oh yeah, I can switch it. You just kind of call them out on right. it right. And, and then they make that choice. And if and they like, don't, then you're like, I think you need time I think by yourself. you might need to just take some time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my question is, if I say to my son, I don't say, I don't call it a timeout, but we're like, okay, Elias, you misbehaved. You have to go sit on the stairs by yourself for 30 seconds. Is that a timeout? Are we yes. talking about the same yeah, thing? Yeah, it's a timeout. timeout. Okay. Yeah. So that's different than me saying to a two and a half year old. Well, he's two. Upset. I mean, he's not right. a six-year-old. Like, yeah, right, he my kid won't is, take but, himself up. Yeah, right. But you could say, "I can see you're upset. Would you like to take a minute to just sit with me and read a story?" Yeah, because I'm finding right down. now, like he's he's almost, he's nearing three. He's rounding three. That he's starting to comprehend those things. I'm like Elias when he's like, "I'm like, can you just take a few deep breaths?" And he actually does it. So he's actually picking up on these cues as we talk about them. It's really just distracting away from whatever's happening at the moment. Right. He's feeling so angry or tired or whatever it is in that right. moment. You're just kind of redirecting and saying, "Can let's think about how you're feeling." as opposed to being so in that second. And I find even just a few steps away, it doesn't be like another room, it doesn't be in your bedroom, mm -hmm. just a few steps away from that like that environment mm -hmm. can be a good reset. You're just resetting and then coming back to the scenario, having just thought about it, even for 10, 15 seconds. Right. You know the little sand timers? Yeah. Yeah. Kids love those. And if you have those handy, like you can keep one in your purse, you can keep mm -hmm. one in your car, you can keep them everywhere. Smart. And when they start to get upset, if you practice with them when they're not upset, then it works when they are upset. But that you turn it upside down and we just breathe or we talk about what we're upset about or we sit quietly until the sand is gone. Mm -hmm. Then you've I love the visual. That's great. What, that. what, like a minute? Two minutes? Yeah, it's a minute. It's yeah. usually a minute. Yeah. Um, the other thing that kids love to do when they're really upset is you can like toss them a squishy. And usually what happens is the fact of you throwing them a squishy mm -hmm. has already redirected them. And then when they get it, you can breathe in when you squeeze it tight. Mm -hmm. And you can feel it literally expanding in your hand as you breathe out. What's a squishy? You know those things that smell like pizza and I don't know, strawberry shortcakes like or like okay. little toys. That <laughs> this squeeze. is a different parenting age and stage. Okay, I'm going to have to I, get there. Uh, my like son pizza. had a couple in his okay. swim bag because he suffered from pretty severe anxiety uh -huh. and that was one of the tools that worked really well for They're his like squeeze balls, but they smell yummy. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're like twenty dollars yeah. for a piece of pizza, and you. Yeah, yeah I love it. But you also just get off. like a one dollar dollar <laughs> squeezy toy. <laughs> okay, I love it. I love this. Okay, let's keep going. So I think it's interesting, and I think one of the challenges parents have is that I think this is my very small world assessment of having a kid who's not even three yet. You get knocked up, okay? So your first time you get knocked up, you're like, okay, this is the game changer of all game changers. And then you're pregnant and you're like, oh my God, being pregnant is the biggest game changer. And then you have the fucking kid and you're like, this is the Mack truck of life that just hit me and I don't know what's gonna happen. And then you spend your whole time being like obsessed with that first year, like that first 12 months. Like, wow, the first birthday party so is, new. it's, I am, I can't believe I survived the first year. I kept this human alive. I'm still alive. We're all, okay, 10 fingers, 10 toes, like, you know, whatever your thing is, right? But the truth is that's when the game really changes. Like, okay, parenting for the rest of your life, toddlers to five, let's say, and then that like preteen adolescent, that's when the shit gets really hard and people can't even put their mind there. And I don't think really this is an arena where perhaps I'm not in yet, but I feel like the dialogue isn't as focused on these extremely, extraordinarily hard parenting challenges. Thoughts? I think is people, there a lot people, of you, people, I guess? You know, people talk a lot about the terrible twos and three-nager, but I think until you're in it, you think that the previous stage was harder, exactly like you just said. Like you right. think one was so hard and getting them to tr sleep was so hard and right. then they become real people and you want your kid to be smart and 
um, independent. independent. And then they're smart and independent. They start to manipulate right. and they start to realize how to get kind of in the, you know, the holes of your parenting style or how right. to get between two caregivers or two parents or right. get between two parents and a grandparent or a nanny or however it is. They learn how to, they're how clever. to get their way, um, by by doing whatever it is, whether it's temper tantrums or um, picky eating or poor sleeping, they just figure out how to find cracks because they get off on that. Like they, just like we get off on figuring out some, you know, um, puzzle. Exactly. You know, you figure out that crossword puzzle and like, shit, that's amazing. I I figure that shit out. That's what they're doing too. They're constantly trying to, to play us to figure out something that will make them feel great or get them what they really want, whether that's that extra treat or an extra bedtime story or whatever that is. I think the biggest thing is to be predictable and to be consistent. Yeah. That's, that is my magic trick in a nutshell. And certainly our kids aren't perfect, but the more consistent you can be and the more predictable. Yeah. Kid does X, you do Y. And dad does why, and grandmother does why, and caregiver, right. you know, person does why. Everyone has to do the same thing because if you don't, and they learn that they can manipulate, they will. So, Tia, tell me about that because I find it's interesting. How do you get two parents on the same page about parenting, and then how do you get extended family and caregivers on the same page for parenting? Well, I think if it's caregivers, they're sort of under your household, well, and you right. really if someone's on the on the books, yeah, you know, they're, they're on your payroll, your and yeah. they need to do what's going to work for you, or that maybe that person isn't working for you. Right. When it comes to, when I have clients come to me and the mom really wants to fix something or the dad doesn't and vice versa, it happens both ways. Um, I, and they're very, you know, resistant to wanting to do what the parent wants to do and make these positive changes. The best thing you can do is just, I say to them is model it. Like we cannot change our partner. We're not going to change their opinion. But by your actions and seeing your kids' positive changes, Mm -hmm. that might change their opinion. And typically, you do start seeing results. If you're consistent and you Mm -hmm. stick with it, then you see great results. And it's hard to really say, oh, I want to go back to those crazy tantrums when I'm seeing this. So it ends up working its way out. But you can't force somebody to do something besides showing them what you're doing. But I do find if one parent is not on the same page, like shit's never going to get better. It's, it's hard. I, it is hard, but I have seen it work for parents. I have, but if you are like left field and right field yeah. and, and your relationship is kind of the left field and right field battle in, in and of itself, right. that's sometimes you're not parenting on the same page just for like shits and giggles because you don't want to agree with your partner and it's right. not, has nothing to do it's with It's your own you battlefield. Think. Yeah. It's not yeah. really what you think is right with parenting. You might agree with your, your partner, but you don't want to agree because That's not you've got something else going that on. That sounds right, very right. bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it's not that infrequent, actually. No, it's you know, I, I get asked a lot about uh, sleep sleep issues with toddlers and picky eating with toddlers. And we'll talk about these in specific, specific terms. But you know, if, if one parent is like hardcore, I'm going to tough love, you're going to eat the meal that I'm providing, I'm not going to have extra food. And one parent's like, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to give you extra stuff. And 10 minutes later, the kid leaves at the table and the other parent gives them a toast. yogurt or peanut butter mm-hmm. toast or you know, a bar, it game over. The kid's never going to listen to the one parent that's tough love or you know, the kid delay and delay and delay tactics at bedtime. They finally get into bed. An hour later, they come out of their room. One parent's like, there's no way I'm giving attention for this. The other parent brings them into bed. Game over. Like yeah. the kid's going to keep on doing yeah. it. So there has to be some sort of commonality there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just going to be battling. And then they're both going to start resenting each other. Both parents are not going to be happy in that situation, right? right. And the kid is going to be winning every time, right? Every time they play that game. And not feeling good about game. themselves either, totally. even though they're winning. And they know yeah. they're in the between too. You know, that's yeah. not a great place to be there. They know that they're... They're in the middle. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's that's going to be hard. I just I think my husband and I, as we parent, is that like I will try to explain, and I thought that's the parenting strategy: is you explain to him. You don't just say Elias, no. You say Elias, you don't do this because A, B, and C. And Matt will just say Elias, no, and I have to remind him, explain why. I don't even know where I came up with this fucking thing. I don't think I read anywhere or saw anywhere. I was just like, this makes sense, or maybe I saw it somewhere. But I think it's nice that you explain and talk like I explained to, to him. I explained like, Elias, this is why so you important. don't do this or why. So my kid is actually quite. He's pretty good. We don't have a really tantrumy kid. And he's being particularly wonderful over these days. So I'm finding him quite charming. Um, but he's a little bit too charming. So there's a few caretakers in my family. My sister helps a lot. I have a neighbor who helps a lot. And if I'm not around, it happened this week. I called my sister. I was like, hey, what's up? She's like, I'm just getting lies to bed. I'm like, it's 930. Well, he needed his bunny. And then he went, I'm like, oh, you mm-hmm. bought you bought everything he was selling. You picked up everything he was putting yeah. down. Elias's new thing is he like, he mimes. And I'm doing this. I'm hungry, mommy. My my tummy is <laughs> hungry. I'm like, no, you're just delaying. So he knows with me, there's no messing. And like, I will sometimes be dealing with my daughter and my husband or my sister will be dealing with him. And then he sees me coming and he knows the game's over. Yeah. So I'm sort of a little bit of the heavy in that Dads regard. Dads are fun. Moms are mean. Yeah. That's what my, <laughs> my boys <laughs> are like. Dads are fun. Moms are mean. <laughs> They don't really mean that, but that the that's, point is, yeah, that somebody has the moms to. Moms are kind of setting yeah. the rules, and dads kind of following along. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. best to be as close as possible, though. Yeah. Yes. And even if you're the fun parent, you can still be fun, but not at the times that really matter, right? So yeah. you're saying, like, you know, filling up your bucket. One thing I think is that toddlers and, and kids too should always have some sort of choices because kids really want control over something you in their life. That right. I really embrace that. And I, I'm all about the control. So, like, you know, do you want broccoli or cauliflower? Pick one. I don't care. But you're having one of them. Pick yeah. these socks or these socks. This underwear, like. Mm-hmm. Pick your whole damn outfit. I don't care because that doesn't matter to me. But do you get to choice about brushing your teeth in the morning? No, you do not. No, no. Do you mm-hmm. have to eat the meal I'm providing? Absolutely, you do. And then you can have a choice for what you want after. So it's all about choices, but um, but not the ones that really matter. If so you, you give, choose what's important. You stick with those, and then let them feel like they have some kind of and you know say in the matter. Their nutrition and health and the eating. Totally. Yes. Sleep. Yes. And. That's where she is. And the behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like behavior, <laughs> like you have to go to bed when I say you're going to bed. You know, you right. can pick the book you want before the bed, but there's one book. It's your choice, but then we're going to bed because mommy said so. Right. Period. You had your choice. Did. You feel yeah. like you had control over your yeah. life in some right. way, but I really have the control. But you feel like you had the control, but I right. really have yeah. the control. Right. And I'm not going to relinquish that piece of the control ever. Right. And the more choice you give throughout the day on things that don't really matter to you, like the blue cup or the pink cup or the bath toys in the tub mm-hmm. or out of the tub, then when you do need them to brush your teeth or go to bed or choose one book, they're they're less apt to dig their heels in because they feel like they've had power and choice throughout their day. Awesome. You're not telling them, telling them, telling them all day. Uh-huh. It's a big download for them. me. I don't think parents know about this. I, I have to say, I think it's one of those things where you battle these conversations once you get there, but it's a threshold. I think maybe like anything else, maybe you don't really talk about breastfeeding until you have to breastfeed and maybe you don't have to sleep, you know, so it comes with age and stage. So I wonder our listenership seems to be all over the map in terms of where they're at with parenting, but I think this is going to be a good one. I spent I a lot of my time counseling on this kind of things. Yeah. 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 So the other thing I talk about a lot is the no, no, no. Okay. Fine. Phenomenon. And yeah, so I find, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I feel like parents want to be in control. Mm-hmm. And so they say, no, stop doing that. No, stop doing that. No, stop doing that. Okay. Fine fine, just do it because I'm just too damn tired. I have another kid to take care of. I don't fight you all day. And so then kids, I find often learn like no means nothing. No one's bullshit. Mm. So, you know, if you're going to say no, mean no. Don't say no all day, every day. Like, I think that's another thing. We often say no to everything and kids don't really know what that means. Keep no for like when it really matters. But no, no, no. Okay, fine. That's dangerous because then kids just don't value value what you say. Say it and mean it. Yeah, for sure. And then follow through. Yes. Because our kids are born with like two predetermined jobs inside of them. And one's to please you, which is awesome. But the other one is to push boundaries until boundaries are firm and set. That's why at school, 
so often parents are like, my kid's amazing at school. The teacher said he's a dream, but at home he's a terror because at school you have very black and white boundaries and mm-hmm. you have when X happens, then Y happens. Everything's very set. Right. They don't need to keep pushing. Their job is sort of complete. But at home, parents have some or more gray areas. So you go to the park and you say, we're leaving in five minutes. And then in five minutes, you say, time to go. No, 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 two more minutes, two more minutes, please, two more minutes, two more. It's not the two more minutes, that's the problem. It's the fact that when they whine, cry, and complain, and you give, you give two in. more minutes, now their boundary is gray, and they their job is far from complete, and they have to keep pushing to find it. What? When are you going to say no? When right. is your... And Your you just limit. reinforce the bad behavior. They wind and wind and wind. You gave in. Right. Now you taught them wind so next time. I'm going to totally going follow on. through right. yeah. when you wind and I'm going to be obnoxious about it. So it's funny. I found with my son when we were giving him scream time, we would say, okay, well, it's two more minutes, right? And that for him was a warning that he knew that it was going to be over soon and we'd be closing the laps or whatever. Or I would empower him and say, it's your turn. You had to shut it off. And he likes that. So if I say to him, it's two more minutes, if I try to take it away, he'll like lose his mind. But if I say to him, it's two more minutes, and then he says to me, two more minutes, I was like, oh no, Lies, it's your turn to close it. He'll close the laptop or the iPhone, whatever he's doing, and it's good. So that's become like my strategy a little bit is to empower, I guess that's what we're doing. Give him some power to actually close it down, right? So that's interesting. We've been trying really hard to not use the iPad. And I realized what happened is maybe it's a slippery slope that a lot of parents get into. Like he never saw screens until he was one. And then my daughter comes like basically on the cusp of his second birthday. And all of a sudden I'm like trying to deal with his newborns. I'm handing him like freaking screens all the time. And now he's having tender chances about the, about the screens. Because now you're trying to reset your screen limit. Right. And now I'm trying to reset. And he, it's actually working to some degree. My husband, we're all, my family needs a digital detox. My family, like we're all like this all the time. And we're, and I realized how bad it was getting. So um, I have a saying called put the fam before the gram. And I'm, we're making a conscious effort now. It'll not look at our phones from five to seven when we're home. But um, which is, I think, a family which rule. Which is great. Which is yeah. great. But for sure, like, I said to Matt, like, we can't tell him two more minutes and then shut it off. And then the two of us are partially parenting and scrolling or do whatever the fuck we're reading or shit or whatever on whatever we're doing and, like, not be fully present. So um, parenting is hard work. And I think that's part of the challenge is people are like, you know, they don't really want to do It's consistent the work. work. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. You want to be out of a job one day when they're 18. You want to stop. Yeah parenting. You want to always be a parent, but right. you want to stop parenting. Right. But until they're 18, like you're, you're fucked. You're parenting. Yeah. There's like a lot of people that are past 18 and they're still being parented. Yeah. I know, but you yeah. I don't think you have to. Right. I think you can get to a place where your kids are pretty independent. I mean, I would bet your 8-year-old's doing a lot of things where you're like, don't you need me to do that for you anymore? Yeah, I know he's very independent. Exactly. We, we, we're all about so independence, actually. In, Our in kids will, from now, the four of them will play in the basement for like hours, like, you know, it was a long weekend. I don't know how many hours they spend just the four of them by themselves, by themselves. Even at the park, we were like, we sit down on the, on the park and bench and, and we just yeah. we just hang out and chat with other parents and they come and they find us. We want water? Okay, I'll hold you at the water fountain. Okay, okay, go again and we walk, we walk away. I think that we're parents, many parents are so often on top of their children, making every second decision, asking them if they're okay constantly. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Go the fucking play. I want to see you yeah. play and fall and, and meet new people problems. and solve your problems and fight amongst your brothers and then figure the shit out. Yeah. I think that's like the most valuable thing we could teach our kids to be independent and and figure stuff out. And of course, I'm there to support you. I'm not yeah. leaving the house and leaving yeah. you by yourself. But I'm upstairs. If you have issues, come run up and tell me. And then I'll probably tell and you to figure it out and go back downstairs. do that. Because I find myself, when my son's quite it's exhausting. Still, it's exhausting but, even watching parents micromanage. Well, I mean, it's I have to be honest, like like playground play is sort of newish for us because my kid's only two and a half. So it's spring yesterday for the first time. Yeah. When we go to this park, I find myself sort of 
watching him falling him right he's quite young i'm actually just afraid he's gonna hurt himself and fall yes you know it's not necessarily creating play for him it's like literally just watching him very closely because i'm afraid he doesn't have a handle on things and then the minute i like let him climb something he's climbing that thing he's fine so i don't know i, I guess like you I'm, gotta be in a safe distance your right. baby still right but yeah. um but even with austin who's who's younger than elias like we really are standoffish on purpose right. you know he'll need our help to we're gonna like have him climb up on the slide and just like watch him but right. we do step back he goes on the slide by himself and i'm very happy for yeah, him to good. to fall and bang himself and walk up get up and be like I'm good. And yeah. then he runs off again, you know? Yeah. I, we were at the park the other day and I saw families and it's always weird too because a lot of times we go to the park and it's like half of them are my patients so it's always a little bit awkward too <laughs> but on top of their kids like do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Do you want to go on the slide? See that kid over there? Do you want to go play with the bird? Do you want to go run over the hill? And I'm like so exhausted just watching them. <laughs> Your kid will do whatever the hell they want to yeah, do and why does it time. matter if they want to go on the slide or climb the thing or go on the hill? They'll find the hill and they'll run on the hill. Yeah. Watch them from yeah. a, from a distance. Like, why all the so time on top of you? Like, parenting. it just gave me anxiety. Is that helicopter? Yeah, that's, that's, helicopter. That's, that's how you define it. That's yeah. helicopter parenting, where okay. you are trying to create, basically hovering and make every decision and stop them from every fall and be basically the hoverer. But then there was this amazing article in the New York Times, like probably six weeks ago now. I don't know if you guys read it about snowplow parenting, and it was an amazing article. Yeah, but the quote that stood out for me was that parents today are clearing the road so that their child can just easily go down the road. Yeah. Where what we need to do is equip our kids to go down the road as is. Mm -hmm. So Bumps and all, falls and all, cracks in the road and all, right? I mean, it talks in that article about parents calling their university to help kids solve who took whose peanut butter out of the dorm room. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing that when my kids are older, kill me. There is no way. Mm -hmm. I don't even do it now. I don't do it you, now. You yeah. eat your brother's sandwich? I don't give a fuck. Go make yourself another sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> like figure, figure your out. shit out. Yeah. yeah. I usually yeah. say you've got 60 seconds to solve it or if I do, you're both missing out. Hmm. It's not a big deal. 99.9999999% of the time and it's solved in about two seconds and they move on. Tia, what is, what is the biggest problem people are coming to you with? What do people ask? What's like actually- I always get this question and there's not one thing. Okay, give me the top two, top three. Top five. Oh God! I wonder if it's the same as me. You can't think of like top three I, or two I or three. I have so many. Well, it's oh, it's tantrums. It's sleep. Yeah, it's picky eating. Sibling rivalry is a big one. I, okay. A lot of people come to me about their kids fighting nonstop. Um, yeah, kids not staying in bed is a huge. Do you think one. the buckets are the core? That's the foundation issue so for I th- all those things. Yeah. So I think if you can learn. I like to explain it as check your child's boxes. If you can learn to check basic needs, that means really being on top of sleep because literally 90% of your behavior issues are sleep if your child is up multiple times in the night, mm-hmm. not getting their adequate amount of quality, quantity sleep, yeah. you're going to have behavior issues. So yeah. Amen. If you, yeah, if you I'm can, all about sleep. I'm obsessed with sleep. I'm obsessed I think with sleep. my patients think I'm too obsessed with sleep. Well, but I'm you'll obsessed think with I'm sleep. probably worse than when I tell you what time my kids go to bed. What time do your kids go to bed? <laughs> it's really bad. When my kids were your kids' age, yeah. Elena, my yeah. kids were in bed at 5.30. That's at early. 5.30. what time in the morning? Till usually 6.30. But then my husband always left for work at 7 and didn't come home till like 8.30. So we would see each other always in the morning for an hour, and then he wouldn't see the kids again till the next morning. Mm-hmm. So it's worked out well for us that they have early sports because we have family breakfast together every day at 7 Mm a.m. We do not have family dinners unless it's Sunday night. My Mm -hmm. husband and I will eat after kids are in bed after sports. So it works well for us Mm -hmm. and it has to work for you. And what time Um, do you go to bed now? But they are in bed um, most nights 6.45. 
Um, but tonight, because my youngest has tennis, it's 7.30. Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's 7.30. The mm-hmm. other nights, it's 6.45. And on Sunday to catch up, like they were both out by 6.20. Like I will watch it. I will say, okay, they were up a little bit later. I'm going to make up for some time. I'm, and they wake up at 6.30. And they wake up. They Typically, they'll wake up at 6 if they're in bed at 6.45. Yeah, so, so we can we one-up you. <laughs> so all my kids go to bed at 7 o'clock and yeah. they wake up at 7.30 the weekend it's 8.30 if there's no activities and they come home from school every day at 3.30 and are in their rooms individually for quiet time slash nap time until 5, including my eight-year-old. And do they actually sleep most of them for quiet the, time or they the just relax? first two relax. They yeah. read a book. They yeah. like do Rainbow Loom. They do, we like do whatever. We do the and, But yeah. the four-year-old naps. Yeah. For sure. That's and on the weekend from like 1.30-ish to 4.30-ish or like 2 to 5, I don't want to hear anything from anybody. You're in your room by yourself. Yeah. And usually the younger two will not, but the big two are, are quiet. Finding quiet but yeah. activities. But I, yeah. I'm all about quiet time. I'm all about rest. I'm all about n- not having a lot of screen time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Way. And I think that the, the heart of most evil and children is not enough sleep. Yeah. And too much screens. I think both those and things are parents terrible. parents look mm-hmm. at me and they say, your kids get up at what time? And then they do Kumon in their bed before they come out. I'm like, yep, on a yeah. clipboard. And I don't check it. I just, it has to be downstairs on the bench Mondays. Otherwise, I don't bring your homework when I pick you up from school and the little envelopes will be sitting there. Yeah. We've done but that thing, but that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never done that, oh, that hardcoreness, but yeah. they love workbooks. Like, you know, my, my, my grade one kid, I gave him like grade two and grade three workbooks and he just like loves to do the workbooks. Yeah, so they it's would like, totally do it's the not Kumon. like homework. It's like, they, this it's, is fun for you. And he's like, yeah. totally, I'm going to do this during nap time. This is amazing. Yeah. Enjoy so your, have, they would enjoy love your homework. Kumon. Yes. Yeah. My kids <laughs> actually like bikes. their Kumon and parents yeah. want to kill me. I've never done the Kumon, but we should try the Kumon. You should try the Kumon. It's I am, People love it. I'm going to vouch for Kumon right now yeah. because a lot of schools teach higher level thinking math, which is great, but they're not teaching those rote facts. So your kids- Is that what know, it is? It's like rote It's literally stuff? repetition, um, but it builds. So like my 10-year-old's doing finding common denominators on three and four fractions and adding and subtracting those four together. And he'll do like a hundred problems in the morning, like- hmm. It's amazing. I can't even do it. And now he's woken up. Now he's like ready he's for ready. the day. He's used his brain. Yeah. He's felt good. He's completed something. He's in charge of organizing that envelope. He's in charge of getting it done. And a lot of times parents will battle their kids on Kumon because their kids don't want to do it and they have gray areas and they don't have boundaries set. And so it becomes the place that they play tug of war. They mm-hmm. pick up their end of the rope and they battle their kids. But if you can make it their problem and not your problem, mm. you don't have it. So all you have to say is, if you're prepared to go in and tell your Kumon teacher why you don't have your Kumon done, you can make that choice. It's not my problem. Uh-huh. Hmm. Nobody wants to go in and tell Virgil that the homework is not <laughs> done Virgil. because he's not going to be happy. Virgil, Virgil's going to look at them like, Hudson, Beckett, what? So they... They just want to get it done. But uh-huh. as soon as I care about their Kumon and the parent is like, but you have to get your Kumon done. Well, now it's an awesome place to really push back with mom and dad and get some attention. Yeah. But when you don't care, like walking away from tantrums or all these things kind of mesh together like yeah. a spider web, they realize, oh, I guess I better do that because I don't really want to go in there. I don't want to face up to that. Oh, it's one of the reasons why I don't do, I don't do, I don't do homework with my kids for one of the same reasons. Like if you don't do your homework, go tell your teacher you need to do homework. Yep. It's not my responsibility to do homework with you or to keep you up late and give you extra attention because yeah. you didn't do your homework. No. Nope. You didn't do your homework. Your like we asked them in the morning, do you do your homework? Oh, shoot, I forgot. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Take it and tell your teacher. And then they're like, no, but I can't do my homework. No time, man. We're yeah. going to school. Sucks to be you. So how can you fix it next time? Yeah. Come home and do it right away. Where's your plan? Mm-hmm. Let's solve it. I never thought that that was actually conscious. It wasn't really conscious. But but, you're, but it's your but natural yeah. parenting style. And yeah. so it comes to you naturally. It doesn't always come to everybody naturally. Parenting. Yeah. 
you'd think it would be really no, natural it's a skill. and intuitive, but it's, it's not. not. All and of it's, it's a the, skill. It's like the one job where you're thrown into it without on-the-job training. Right. Like you're not... There's no, there's no on the job there's no training. University degree right. in it, right? Yeah. And, you all, and so people often fall back on what's easier. And what's easier in the moment is very different it's than great. what's easier later. So I say, yeah. like, you know, this is harder now, but it'll make your life easier so forever. Much easier. Yeah. So it'll be harder to set boundaries now, harder to stick to your guns and not give them an extra treat because they didn't have their dinner or whatever that is. It's easier yeah. now to give them the extra bedtime story. It's harder to say, no, we're done. This is it. Yeah. But it's easier tomorrow, the next day, the next yeah. day, the next day. Short term game versus long term consequence. And like right. you were saying, Alana, as kids grow, like problems become bigger, right? It gets harder, and if you don't have those boundaries and that respect set now, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder. Are people doomed then. if they're if it's too late? Is no, it the water? No, no, everything's no, fixable. No. That's you can you can fix everything, but you have to be consistent with it, yeah, yeah. and not fall back to the easier now in the moment kind of strategies. Yeah, yeah, everything's fixable. So, what's the big kids' problems? Like there's a little, we're talking like, you know, under five, what's the over five problem? I think it's all the same problems. I think, you know, sleeping, you know, staying in bed overnight, getting into bed and not delay, 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 delay. I got to pee. I got to have another cup of water. I need another snack. All that nonsense. That continues for a long time. My tummy's hungry. (laughs) My tummy's hungry. Sounds like a cartoon. Yeah. He literally Um, is. (laughs) Little lies. Um, You know, temper tantrums don't necessarily end. Like Ryan, the six-year-old still has temper tantrums pretty commonly and again then he takes himself up to his room and just like screams uh-huh. in his room and then he comes back down again picky eating will continue forever if you don't get a handle that early yeah that's like a two-year problem that continues on till they're 15 so tell me about unicorns or you know special cases because not all children are created equally there's some kids that are no. very great kids and wonderful sunny demeanors and i've had, seen other kids who have just very battleish, very hard challenging disposition so is it disposition is it just personality or some kids wired to be more challenging and you hear people say oh my first one was an angel and my second one was a terrorist or you hear the other thing oh i had one kid that was so bad and the other one was great and not that it's still genetic but you see some children are my my kid is is a he's a two, two and a half year old but he's a really kind sweet awesome kid right and i know other kids who are the same age and stage and I would say that our parenting styles, our, our parenting networks were probably the same. But I see other kids who are like, the parenting parents are having a really hard time grappling with their kids' challenges. Yeah. So what's that about? Well, I think definitely everybody's born differently. And some kids are more stubborn than others. And I would say, for lack of a better word, my first one was more trainable than my second. Easier to be trained. You say no to the light switch, don't touch that. No, no, Hudson, not safe. He would have not touched it for the life of him. To this day, he's still pretty compliant. He's pretty easygoing. Beckett, he's just a little spicy. My first one's my husband. My second one is me. Mm -hmm. He He wants to try and push those boundaries. He really wants to find them. But they're still trainable. They still want to please you. They still want all the same things. It's just... I think when kids are more stubborn and they're quote unquote harder, parents are tired and frustrated and they let that consistency slip or slide. And as soon as you let that slide, that stubborn child is going to run with it for a mile and now things have grown into a bigger challenge. But I think if you can be really consistent, they all want to please and to learn. You just have to take the time to do it. And sometimes it is harder with other kids. It, it and, then, is. and then puberty hits. And then what happens? You know, what, like when you see patients who are, you know, not prepubescent, but pubescent? 
Is that the word? I don't know. I ain't doctor. What is it? Like adolescence you're talking? <laughs> adolescence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is that the word you're like? Those for? fuckers when they yeah. start getting tits and stuff. Okay. What happens? Oh my God. That's just such a, har- a harder stage in lots of ways. But I just want to come back to what Tia was saying. Yeah. So I totally agree that the personality is, is a big thing. Uh-huh. We're very consistent parenting all of our children, but they're all very, very different. You know, I've spoken before about how Ryan, my six year old, is still the one that temper tantrums. He, he was challenging. He would get naked at night and, you know, take off his diaper and climb out of his crib and go play in the bathroom. And he was just really curious still is very curious and he wasn't trying to be an asshole he just was so (laughs) he just yeah we had to be really hardcore with him like we we were and have always been very very consistent with him because he's not trying to be a jerk he's just remarkably curious and always he's he's like curious George he just he will find himself into trouble whereas Jason the next kid the four-year-old his temperament is completely different and he's the easiest kid to parent he doesn't do almost anything wrong. I can think of like five temper tantrums he's ever had. He's just easier. And I didn't parent them any differently. I just don't have to be as strict with him. Mm-hmm. I can be much more lenient because he's not going to take every little inch and go a mile. Inch and go right. a mile whereas Ryan will right. and Dylan, the elder one, will. And I don't know, the you know, who Austin. knows what Austin I think will be <laughs> a lot like um, Ryan. Uh, so he'll be a little bit more challenging again, I think. But um, they're all just really different personalities. But we parent them all the same. But sometimes we have a bit more strict with some, you know, like, yeah, Ryan, if I would give him extra thing to eat because he didn't want to eat his dinner, Mm -hmm. the next three weeks of my life, he'd be like, yeah, but yesterday you did that, but yesterday you did that. Jason would never remember or care that yesterday gave him a treat when he didn't really eat well. He wouldn't beg for it. It just isn't part of his repertoire, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, teenagers, totally different can of worms, right? I mean, it's all about, no matter what the age is, finding what motivates them. And that might be getting their special show. That might be dessert after dinner that might be an extra bedtime story that might be just some quiet time with mommy and daddy alone from the other siblings you just have to find what motivates that child and what motivates a teen is quite different than motivates a two-year-old right. but i think if you can find that motivation whatever that is phone. yeah their cell phone yeah mm. whatever is that motivator that's yeah. that's what i use to your advantage right? right so i'm not a huge fan of giving stuff as reward for being good but i am a big fan of taking away things that matter to them what matters them today in that moment versus being all about reward. Because I find that if you're like, okay, you could have a special treat after dinner, kids, they often will get something anyway. So it's like not necessarily that special, but it's something that really they value, like that special show that they watch once a week or mm-hmm. every day or whatever it is. You take that away. I don't know. I just find that much more motivating and it's not so much as much punishment. Anyway, I find it it's yeah. more a consequence and punishment. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And rewards are very short lived. Mm-hmm. Sticker rewards, candy rewards. The ante always has to be upped. They the novelty wears off. The reward's right. not good enough. Yeah. And now you've you know it's like if you give a sticker every time a child learns to read a book, uh-huh. they're thinking that the sticker is the important part. But the important part is actually reading that book. And so you're like taking away the love of reading because of a sticker. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon they need a toy or they need candy. The gamification a, of everything. Yeah, yeah, and you want them to have really high intrinsic values instead right. of extrinsic values. Right. So and they, I find they often get like stickers for everything they do that's good. So what's the value of doing like the pee in the potty when I also just got a sticker from eating well and I also just got the sticker from... It's confusing. For, yeah, you know, like... Okay, they, so how do, we, how, do we yeah. make, how do we make rewards? How do we remove rewards out of the daily conversation? You being happy for their success is mm-hmm. what they want really more than that. So you sticker. just say, I love like, attention. Happy. I'm excited yeah, for you. Good goes job. Potty that's on that okay. potty and you do like a crazy potty dance and you get crazy. They, mm-hmm. They're thrilled to see you do that over a sticker. So my son has gotten really good at counting and he like can say, oh, there's, there's 
you know, four glasses on the table. One, two, three, four. And he'll count. He knows exactly how many. I love it. I think it's amazing. I think he's brilliant because he can count to 10 and knows when something is three or four. So his new thing is like, can I have one treat? Can I have five treats? <laughs> like it's like, it's that's dawned the on him that he can yeah. ask more. So you're talking about upping the ante. That's exactly what has happened, right? right. So I find that like, I will reward him when he doesn't ask for it. And I find mm. that's like actually pretty good strategies when he's not asking for treats or he, like, you know, after he left, uh, I took him to see Dina today. I love our double header days, yeah. which are quite often. Um, you know, as soon as we left the, the doctor's office, I gave him a treat for being, and he was like so thrilled that I gave mm. him because he was so good and he was he was he's perfect, today, right? Yeah. He loves it, Doctor Dina. Yeah. He loves saying Doctor Dina. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not against um, reward, of course, for what's yeah. important in our yeah. life, right? But I think kids also really value us and our presence. Right. So I'd much rather Say play a job. game with yeah. my kids than turn on a screen. Right. You know, let's play Uno together. Let's right. read an extra book together. Let's have a cuddle together. I really think that that is more motivating for them. Right. Especially when I have so many children and there's are my my time is so divided right. that one on one attention with them is I think they value the it the most. The yeah. best. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I call yeah. that golden time. Mm. There's oh, like a that. formula for that's like that attention bucket we talked about in the beginning. Yeah. You can fill it from their perspective and one on one is key, but there's like five ingredients in golden time. Let's hear it. So the reason there's a difference in perspective is because we think we do things for our kids all day long because we do. We plan birthday parties and drop them off at school and make lunches. And I mean, we're dealing with our kids all day. We feel like all we're doing is giving our kids attention. But from our kids' perspective, that's just mom and dad's job. You're just doing your job. When are you going to spend time with me? Where's my time? And especially if you have multiple kids, they're really wondering where their time is. So if you can proactively set aside time for golden time, you're going to fill up that attention bucket ahead where they won't need to fight for that attention. Mm. And you're going to help avoid some of those misbehaviors. So golden time has five simple ingredients. It's basically one-on-one and that's to avoid mom and dad talking or other siblings talking and having to fight for attention. You want to take that away. Um, It's twice a day. And you think about that like nutrition. If you only eat at night, you're starved all day long. Whereas if we give our kids a little attention in the morning, they're more apt to do their morning chart or cooperate or sit and have their breakfast because they're feeling really good about how they are starting their day. Mm -hmm. So it's twice a day. I give a rule of thumb of 10 minutes each time. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be. It could be two minutes if that's all you have in the morning. Two minutes would be better than none. And if it's a weekend and you go to the park one-on-one or you go to Home Depot one-on-one with dad or mom or whatever, it can be anything that they enjoy doing. That's the other ingredient. And it's unplugged and uninterrupted. So a lot of times kids like to find a parking spot for mom or dad's phone. Like I'm going to park it in the parking spot because it's golden time. Gives them power, gives them control. They're not worried about you picking it up and looking at Instagram or Uh checking an email. So if you can find time, really it's the morning. That's it. That's all you've really got to change. Because at night, if you're doing a tuck in with each of your children one-on-one, you're already doing golden time. They love that song and that one-on-one book time. You just need to label it. You just need to give it a name. It doesn't yeah. have to be golden time. It could be special time, one-on-one time. Yeah. I have a client with two three-year-old cu- uh, twin girls and they call it cupcake time. They Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. As long Sleepy as you time. label it. Sleepy time song. <laughs> That was such a good episode. Sorry. I do a a song for each kid and And I am an individual and 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 I have a song for each kid. It's the same song, but it's personalized. Oh, (laughs) one of the children and their stuffies. And there's stuffies. I made you the scene a few episodes ago. Oh, amazing. Um, Yeah, but I'm all about tucking time separately. I think that's super valuable. So do you each do it? You and Andrew each do it every night? Yeah, I guess so. I guess we do. Yeah, we do it 
differently though. Like, mm. so while I'm feeding Austin, I do tucks in each kid mm. and then I tuck in Austin, then I go around and I do the rounds with each kid individually. Mm-hmm. And it's probably like, it depends on the day, two minutes to 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, some days it's really fast and some days it's really brief. Like positive affirmations with your kids? Well, we talk, uh, we do a dinner time routine, which is what's your favorite part of the day and um, what are you thankful for? We yeah. do that as a group though. Uh-huh. And then we just have quiet time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it, it gives me, it's really, it's valuable insight into like, what are they loving right now? But also I love the, what you're thankful for thing. My kids love it. Like yeah. they bring it up. If I forget to ask them one kid, you know, the meals, hello, I didn't do what's my favorite part of the yeah. day. Like, uh-huh. hello, <laughs> come back to me. And they take turns going first, yeah. whatever. But it's great for each other too. Sometimes it's each other. Like I'm really thankful for my brother because he did X today or, you know, whatever it is, it just it brings them up. It builds them up. And, yeah. and the answers, like as they're getting older, the answers we're getting are, are just so awesome. Like, you know, I'm so thankful for our house because it gives me shelter. And you're like, did you read this somewhere? Where the should <laughs> yeah, you get this from? <laughs> Yeah, you know, right? My four-year-old yesterday, uh, Jason said, "I'm really thankful for my bed because some kids sleep on rocks." Aww. And I was like, oh, "I'm gonna cry in your And like, he hasn't seen this stuff. Like, you know, he's he's like lived his blessed life. Aww, but like, so I love that you're thinking that. Like, yeah. you're totally right. Like, this is yeah. We do rose and thorn. That's mm-hmm. our Sunday night dinner. So yeah. the rose of your day and the thorn of your day. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they start to say things. It opens a door for communication. Yeah, hundred percent. They'll say things like, "My my thorn was." that I didn't do so well in my swim meet because I felt embarrassed or this. And you then you can talk about other things that segue into what they talked about and they mm-hmm. get really f- comfortable talking to you. That's another teenage thing. Mm. You want your kids to want to talk to you. They, they, you don't want them, you don't want to punish and punish and punish to where they need to sneak, sneak, sneak and mm-hmm. hide from you because they're never going to talk to you. Uh-huh. You want them to want to talk to you. To be, right. to be a sounding so board, to know that it's safe and, and that you're supporting them. Yeah. God, yeah. so good. Guys, this stuff's gold. Like usually, Tia, Tia, <laughs> Tia. Okay. Sorry. Okay. One is this Tia. I don't know why. Hmm. Tia, it's so funny because like at the end of every podcast, I said, Adina, what did you learn today? And today it's just like, I'm like, the download is so gigantic for me. That's awesome. I mean, I don't like. I have so many more questions. You really should be having your own podcast on this. I, I am actually. That's my next like an adjacent endeavor, podcast. But I, I'm going to have to sit down with you guys so you can show me how to get started. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's my somebody. next. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to blog anymore. Nobody's reading anymore. No, yeah, audio is where it's at. Yeah, yeah it's really it's where not, it's at. And video. Not, so. Oh my god, I'm so excited about this. I have so many more questions, but Ask I feel like questions. this is a rabbit hole. Um, I'm trying to think where I want to go next. Drugs and alcohol. I'm just curious because like. No, yeah, I want. No, I mean, <laughs> Atlanta came today wearing a sweater with pockets, and she was like, "I've got alcohol." And there's like these huge pockets with these. And I brought these amazing with red cups, cups yeah. and can, red cups that she wrote her name on. Name in. Um, no, I think it's interesting. Parenting. These are parenting strategies and parenting conversations. I think I also think of how lucky we are to grow up in this generation where you can even have these. You think our parents had any clue no. what they were doing? There's so we're much so, like, more information. So fucked. Did you? Yeah. Did your parents talk to you about alcohol and drugs? My dad yelled it at me. Hmm. He found cigarettes in my pocket when I was 12. And he was like, do you want us to lose our house and my career? That's what he said to me. Because he's a criminal <laughs> lawyer. So he equated the fact that I would be responsible for, I would go to jail or he would go to jail. And for having have a nothing. cigarette. He scared the shit out of me. I smoked my, for I was scared years. of my dad too. But my dad told me if he ever saw me with a cigarette, he would take the lit end and shove it up my ass. Oh, that's a good Wowza. one. Wowza. I believed him. Yes. I believed him. And <laughs> I wish my dad said that. <laughs> My, uh, I don't think my parents ever found anything that they knew what it was. And uh-huh. there was never a conversation. I don't remember ever talking to my parents about drugs or alcohol. Ever, ever, ever. And still, like, me and my brothers will talk to my parents about how we used to drink in their basement and smoke pot in our bathrooms. And they look at us and like, you're just not telling the truth. They like, they just it. don't believe that it's true. My parents are the kind of people that they think if you ever smoke pot, you're, like, on the street using 
crack cocaine like a week later. They really truly think that there's no way to be like you know, responsible. I believe they do. <laughs> I believe they do. Um, yeah, they know more about my sex life than they want to. Um, no, but I, I, I really, me, I really do I think them. my yeah. my. Um, my, oh, really? You think so? My Your mom was like, hi, like, who you're this the Jack? one who's yeah. bringing it out of her. <laughs> um, confessional. My dad um, ran the penitentiaries in Canada for a very long time. And uh, I really think that he feels that if you do like X, it necessarily leads to Y. And there's like kind of no in between. Like there's right. no just people that like smoke pot rec- recreationally. Maybe he feels differently now. I haven't spoken about it in a long time. But I think that they think that like this leads to this leads to this. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I never had that conversation with them. Nor about sex. I don't think ever. I, I remember, I think I talked about this on one of the pod, podcasts. I once asked my mom if they still had sex. Mm. Um, but I don't remember them ever asking me about it, talking to me about it, counseling me about it. There was never a conversation about it. Just never. My parents asked me about it once when I was 15. Mm-hmm. It's because my dad walked in on it. I'm positive. He saw me having sex. And that's when he was like, are you having sex? I'm like, yeah, using production? Yeah, that was in the conversation. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like 15 At 15, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like quite young. I mean, I was with the same guy for a long time at that yeah. time. Um, but yeah, my dad walked in on us, I think. And that's mm. where it's... Why were we having sex when your parents were home? At home. It's a long story. Do you not please uh, okay. don't let me talk about it? Okay. <laughs> it's a long now long I really story. want to hear the story. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But I think they, they saw it once yeah. and that's why. I don't think that's ever happened to me. No, I don't think so. No. Even like we were, were we engaged already? We were sleeping in different bedrooms at my parents' place, I think. I think it was until we were like married and we were dating for like a really long time before they got married. I'm pretty sure we didn't. And we were like living together at times. But when he came over, like when we went to Ottawa, like we slept in different so, bedrooms. Same with the, my, yeah, yeah, it was just was, weird and awkward. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. I'd be lying there thinking my parents think we're sleeping together right now. And that would just be weird. And there's nothing less sexy than that anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, we got a while till teenagers, don't we? Yeah, I feel like I've got a while until talking to my kids about sex. Yeah. Are you worried? No, I'm not too worried. I'm not worried about you. Have either. you talked to your kids about sex? No, they don't. They don't know that what that is yet. They haven't really? asked. Nope, they haven't. Not even my ten year old. Really? They know about tampons and periods. Yes. And they know about the baby comes out of there. Yes. But they don't actually know how the baby gets in there. Oh, interesting. My kids have known for a while. Yeah, they know that when you fall in love and get married, you can make a baby, but they haven't asked beyond that, which is interesting. But they ask questions about everything, about dilation, how the baby comes out. Like, I mean, and I just tell them. If they ask me, I tell them. Yeah, I'm the same. But they haven't asked me yet. And the other day, um, Hudson was toying around with breaking some rules because, which is good. I want him to push some boundaries because it's better now than all later. And he stayed up and you know, darn him, read a whole book in his bed, but it was so sweet. Under, <laughs> she just said darn him. Yeah, darn him. Under his, kill, oh under his pillow. I can't handle I know. Okay. I, I whispered crap and I said darn him. Yeah. But underneath his sheets, reading an entire book. How mm. do you know? Do you watch on a camera? Because the next day I had to wake him up and I don't need to wake my child ever. And his thumb was in his mouth and he mm. hasn't th- sucked his thumb in like six years. So I was yeah. like, why is he that exhausted? Only when we travel to Portland on a time change does he accidentally have his thumb in his mouth. I'm like, something's up. So I let it go. And then the next day I had to wake him again. I'm like, okay. So I was like, my, put my detective hat on. I was like, yeah, he's definitely, he's probably reading. So I called my friend. I'm like, yeah, I think Hudson's reading in his bed at night and sneaking it. I'm going to have to uh, probably confront this one tonight. She's like, well, Tia, I, um, you know, I just, I don't know if I should bring it up, but you know, he could, I'm like, don't even, he is not. And she's like, no, I think he, he probably could be like, I'm like, 
He's not masturbating. He doesn't even itch his penis. He doesn't even put his hands down his boxers yet. Like he's not interested. Some kids might at 10, but mine I know is not. No, sure enough, he read two books, one on Monday, a whole book, one on Monday and one on Tuesday. And then when I confronted him, he burst into tears and goes, but I love to read. That is delicious. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you should have a TV show. Man. Oh my gosh. I've never yeah. heard of anything so vanilla and like I know. perfect I, I, in I knew my you life. were. I know. I was like going to be the goody two-shoe that no, showed up. Not, I know it. No, I just, it's, it's not the goody two-shoes. I love it. I think it's, I think it's refreshing actually. And I think it's aspirational and inspirational. And I think we have a responsibility with this podcast to bring on awesome fucking guests who are, sorry, darn Guess. No, you can swear. You I are. do swear yeah. sometimes. I do. I do. <laughs> like, darn so him. Beautiful. Darn him. Um, I love it. We still have monitors in my kids' rooms. So my kids do read. Like they just like read and read and read and read until we have to turn the like we'll tell them the camera. Like yeah. we have monitors in the kids' rooms to like communicate like time turn your light off. Like that's what they're yeah. for. Because Rye too will read like for, till like midnight awesome, which, and then the next day he's an asshole. So yeah. Like turn the friggin' light off. Yeah. Okay, maybe one more chapter. Nope. No. Thank yeah, you. Time up. Yeah. I know. He well, said, what if he didn't do it? What would you do? Would you Go in. He would always do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you have yeah. your boundaries. Set. I, I, I take the books away. Warden. No, I take the books away. I would. Really? Yeah, we're warden. Yeah, we're hardcore. I say we're we we parent like army style. We're we're like super consistent. Yeah. yeah. No, we literally took all the books away. Make sure we've done so all the books easier. away before. When Dylan's an asshole, like if he gets in trouble at school and stuff, we literally take his journals and we take his books out of his room because that's a motivator for him. Mm-hmm. And that you know people are like, take away the books. That's so crazy. Like you want him to value books. I want him to value books, but that's what he values. Right. So I don't take that away. Yeah. And you know, and there's no screen time to take away, etc. So that if that's what yeah. he values, they all go. They all like there's a pile on my floor of like you know, 30 books. And then two days later, he's better. We get all your books back again. And then mm-hmm. he's like super happy. And then he holds onto his books and covets them and isn't a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. I want my kids to covet books. My kids are obsessed with books and they're so cute. You know, they trade them. They have like money they found around the house, like pseudo, you know, um, allowance that they've kind of collected from our house like oh there's a 25 cents oh there's a dollar like man it's now their allowance they just like take that and they trade books they like they trade as if they're like in a library even though we we've told them many times at library there's no money exchange at all but they (laughs) still say that we're in a library and they make a library and they're like you could have this book for this book and before bed we make them trade because when they come home from school and they have that hour and a half of quiet time austin's already in bed sleeping and so they have to do it like super quiet stealth so they trade the book at nighttime for the next day's nap it's like all very arranged so and organized, good. and yeah, I love it. My boys, yeah. going on <laughs> my boys started totally. a car wash this summer. <clears throat> nice. they, they've opened their own email account. They think they're going to get appointments by email. Nobody's <laughs> going to find their email. It's H and B Car Wash at gmail dot com. What's the email? Nobody email is them. going to find. And we're them. all going to email him. What H and B Car Wash? H and B Car Wash at gmail dot com. I'm pretty sure. If not, I'll have to refine that. But if you need your car wash and you live in the Toronto area, they're serving lemonade, espresso, magazines, and water while you wait for your car wash. You're going to lose money on this. SUV, <laughs> eight for a car. Is it outside that or inside so or both? Um, it's, he told me it's more for inside, but he hasn't told me the price yet. Yeah. So they've each made $20 so far. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, remember I, <laughs> I remember what I was going to ask you. I remember what I was going to ask you and then my husband just texted me and I looked at it and I forgot. Fuck, See, because you fuck, put fuck. your screen in front of your know, face I know, and, and my brain went you. out the window. Fuck, I was going to ask you something. It was such a good question. I love the commerce part, by the way. I think we should all teach our kids about money. Yeah. For I really sure. oh, yeah, my son. Yeah. They don't. Weekend, they don't yeah. know what money means. They don't. Uh, they, my kids go to grocery shopping with, with Andrew every week, and they know what things look like. What things, you know, like what they. I, I think I bet you the. I bet you Dylan Rye could tell you what like a bunch of 
you know, apples or bananas Kale whatever or cost. Yeah. I bet yeah. you that they can guess. They can be yeah. on what's the show where you like guess how much things are worth? Price is right. Price is right. And like I think they can go into the grocery thing and like be like, that's a dollar forty nine and that's a dollar forty nine. See Dina yeah. was doing yeah. med school. I was watching Price is right. Yeah. <laughs> oh I used to love Bob Barker. It was at the worst time though. Who's at home at eleven o'clock? Me, because that's yeah. how I rate my university schedule. Right. right. Like <laughs> <laughs> did not wake up early and to watch Price is right. You only did class from like four to eight PM yeah, every day. Restless before that, Three I'm sure. Week, yeah. I yeah. was never an hour. Hour and why neither was I. Um, Nano two and though, I'm going to get into again. Ooh, Nano two and oh, it's releasing. I know. Um, Except dude died. I'm so sad about that. Who did? Um, Dylan. Luke Perry. Oh yes, I didn't notice. You, you know Dylan, my kid Dylan. This is embarrassing. Is named after, is named after Luke Perry. Wow. I'm not exaggerating. So oh, I love that wow. show so much. I just uh, love that show. That when I was a kid, mm-hmm. like a little kid, I was like, my first kid's name is gonna be Dylan. Really? And his middle name is gonna be Matthew. And guess what? My kid's name is Dylan Matthew. Dylan Matthew. Holy shit. <laughs> Yes, I predicted my entire friggin' life. And I also love the name Joshua, and Ryan's middle name is Joshua. If you look back at journals I wrote when I was like six or seven, I literally talk about having uh, three boys, not four, three boys. Their names are Matthew, Dylan, and Joshua. That's amazing. Journals. That's I added just one more in. I'm a big fan of journals too. Yes. But I find they get into them for like a week and then they're over it. So that's another thing you can offer when they're upset. Why don't Mm. you go up and... Journal. Talk about how upset you are about me in your journal. Mm -hmm. Uh You say you're not going to read it, and they. I'm sure Beckett's is all about mean mommy or something. I haven't gone to it, so it's his private space. But but they can write about things if they have a crush on somebody or something they don't want to talk about. Oh, I I remember now. I like it. I like it. I'm sorry. You talked about anxiety. Yes. How do you know if a kid has like what's the signs of anxiety in children? At what age do you start seeing it? Well, both of you. You probably have like an exact medical. But why don't you about your scenario? But I would say for me, I would say that your child has anxiety when the worry is just going on too much that it doesn't feel normal, and you follow your gut. So everybody has worry, and kids will have worry and not want to be dropped off at birthday parties or when it's a new skating lesson, they're nervous. Like all that's fine. Yeah. But when it's just too much and it's debilitating and like my chapter is called The Invisible Barrier because it literally blocked him from doing so much. And then as I looked back, I realized he had it like at 18 months. He Every Tuesday, Thursday when I dropped him off at nursery school, he cried and screamed for the whole year. He And I always left him. I was consistent. I never stayed. I dropped. Mm-hmm. I'd go. And he cried the whole year. But I just figured, oh, it's just Hudson. Mm-hmm. And it went on. He didn't have a drop-off birthday party or play date until last year, grade three. He would not do it. Anything new, swim meets in general, peeled off of me, screaming, crying. And the coach would literally, one time she told another coach, throw him in that pool throw him in. And I was just up in the balcony watching and he's screaming and I had let somebody peel him off and I would force him to go. I knew he needed to go because more than anything, he needed to get from point A to point B. And once he was at point B, done, over. And that was just it. It was just for him, no matter how much you talked about the transition, it wasn't just the transition. It was that anxiety ahead of that. Uh And so for me, it was when he applied to grade three to a an all boys school, he was applying to school and he had a serious anxiety attack and cried for an hour and a half leading up to it. And in front of 130 boys in the middle of the gym had to be peeled off of me. And he could have cared less that people were staring at him. He out of body, sweating, awful. And then I got in the car and I just burst into tears because I knew they were all going to judge him. They were all, he is the sweetest, smartest, kindest old soul. 
and they were going to look at him and be like, who the heck is this kid? And it's not him at all. Mm -hmm. And that's part of my story I tell in my book. But it was that moment that I was like, too much. This is all, there's got to be a better way. And this just isn't normal worry. So, so I think so you, then you follow your so gut. Then you diagnosed him. You diagnosed him or you had him diagnosed with anxiety? I saw a child psychologist. Yeah. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to get some extra tools. We're going to talk to somebody. And for him, talking to somebody just normalized it. Mm-hmm. It made him feel okay. I'm not weird. It's not you know, wrong for me to feel like this. It just normalized it. Yeah. And that was kind of our TSN turning point when he kind of started to want to get better. He he didn't want to breathe before. He didn't want to, you're going to be fine. It's okay. Let's go in together. He didn't want any part of it. But then he started to want mm-hmm. part of it. But Oh my God. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's very, it's very stressful for parents. I, yeah. I don't, I don't have a, it's my eldest is so kind of anxious, stressful. but not anxious like that. And it's not functionally impairing. So to answer your question, it's, you know, excessive worry, excessive, um, excessive worry that's functionally impairing, right? Mm-hmm. So kids that can't sleep at night because they're, they're so worried about their own health, their parents' health. What are their friends thinking about? Did they finish their homework? Do I have to make sure that I do X, Y, and Z? You know, you know, what is if I wake up and I'm too late for school? Like all these like very many things that most people don't tend to deal with, but they're excessively worrying about those things. And with, for kids, it's most frequently around health or the well-being of their family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it could be many other things. You know, what are, what are teachers thinking? What are friends thinking? emotional stuff they tend to run through the same scenarios or different scenarios in their head all the time mm-hmm. what if this what if this happened what if that person thought that when is i did this wrong those kind of things mm-hmm. when it's functionally impairing kids can't can't sleep they don't want to go to school they are missing out on social activities they're not willing to participate in whatever it is those things are that's what like yeah. legit anxiety is and i'm all about you know early assessment but learning strategies that's really all all, all, all it is, is right like learning strategies There's no medication you don't medicate well that. some kids need meds but the vast majority of kids with anxiety just learn strategies learning how to meditate learning how to do counting learning how to breathe in certain ways learning how to kind of distract yourself away from it and think through some positive self thoughts mm-hmm. versus what they're thinking which is negative things and how to then come out of that feeling more confident again you know it's strategies and that's what child psychologists or social yeah. workers or other people do yeah hmm they teach you to train to do those in random times. Like right now, let's just practice breathing or let's just use our timer or let's use this, let's use that. So that when the time does come, it's mm-hmm. second nature. Mm-hmm. Muscle memory. There's so many tools in the tool in the toolbox yeah. for this. Yeah. What's your favorite parenting tool? You gave us some really good ones already, like the sand timer and stuff like that. But anything like practical advice, a parent who's listening, they're straining, we're, we're circling an issue of something they need to... To Sleep really address and golden time, mm-hmm. Those Sleep are the golden two time. top things. Yeah, spend that quality one-on-one time. Let them know they're getting that time, and be sure your child is sleeping. That's awesome. If they're not sleeping. That's step one. Uh huh. Six forty-five is a little bit early, even for me. Mm-hmm. I mean. My kids are about a seven. You can do it. 6.45 would be amazing. I feel like we should push bedtime. I'm looking at Andrew. Let's push bedtime 15 minutes. 15 That'd be minutes? amazing. My yeah. kids sleep till 7.30. Like they're getting plenty of sleep. It's, yep, they're getting awesome. much more sleep than most of their peers. Are they generally All the peers. very, very happy kids? Yeah, they really are. Yeah. They really are. But if they get one day without, you know, as much sleep, they're not as happy for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, if they don't even have that quiet time, not even a nap, but they have a birthday party on the weekend, for example, they don't have that quiet time. They're with their friends, whatever. Bedtime's harder. Yeah. yeah. Dinner is harder. They just, it's, and, it, they're yeah. just, they're just harder. And they're still great. They're great boys, yeah. you know, but not perfect, but they're great. But mm-hmm. one, one hour less of quiet time in the day. Oh yeah. We feel that. Wow. Yeah. God, it's riveting. 
Do you, do you have social media if someone wants to follow you? Like, where do you espouse your information? Well, I've got my website, which is really yeah. crappy. I said it loud uh-huh. uh, right now, but it's being redone and it should be finished in the next like three weeks. So okay, I can't well, this will probably air that. after that. So. Yeah. So it's tslitem.com. Mm-hmm. And then I'm most frequently on my Facebook and my Instagram. So mm-hmm. I have a parenting page, Tia Slidem Parenting Solutions on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And my Instagram is Tia underscore Slidem. Okay, we'll make sure we list all those things. Yeah. God, I have so many more questions and it's just like We'll just, just have swimming. to do it again. No, I do love it. Again. it. Do it no, again? we'll do it again. Seriously, yeah. I think you're a good repeater. And if anyone has any questions they want us to answer, yeah. send us, Yeah, yeah. you know? That's Instagram awesome. and email Facebook and email or whatever, yeah. and we can bring whatever questions oh, you guys I have. I was going to ask you, what are you the most excited, like in the, in the realm of parenting dogma or like education? What's like a new strategy that, or new research or study that you're excited about? Anything that's like brewing? A favorite book right now that I'm reading that I'm only like 70 pages into it and you might love it because you have four boys, but you have one boy is How to Raise a Boy. Hmm. If you have, it's Dr. Michael... Reichert, mm-hmm. and it is only the first 70 pages. I can't wait to go home and read it, but mm-hmm. it's past my bedtime because I go to bed at nine. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> but it's an awesome book about yeah. the stereotypes of boys and how you have to be masculine and strong and athletic, and how we just naturally feed into boys this way and yeah. we shut down who they might truly be inside. Yeah. It's it's really good. I feel like there's probably like a counterpart which is how do we how do we raise girls and how do we raise women, you know, like we're yeah. we're all kind of living in a different kind of way than traditional women were brought up. For sure. You know? yeah. Um but yeah, I think I wonder if there's a counterpart to that with which is I should which look. For girls. I yeah. look. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. I've got two boys, so I just went straight mm-hmm. to that. But that's Did it. you end up doing the all boys school thing? They are at an all yeah. So yeah. my youngest son's still at Sunnybrook, which is co-ed but he applied and, and got accepted to Crescent so they'll both both be at Crescent next year mm-hmm. which one drop off one pickup will be phenomenal mm-hmm. but we did do all boys school um, not because it, it was my favorite first choice but there's not a lot of co-ed private schools here that I was really keen on and coming from the states there are hardly any single sex schools everything's co-ed mm-hmm. and if I were to pick I think I would have picked a co-ed school all the way through um, but my husband had gone there and it is a, a great school and a great opportunity, but I'm not, I don't know. I don't think it has to be all boys because mm-hmm. you're a boy or all girls because you're a girl. I, I've been debating this for a long time. And if I had lots of money to send my four boys to a all boys school, I think I might. Um, I like, I like, I like the concept of teachers, faculty, knowing that boys are different because boys, yep. not every boy is one way, not every girl is no. one way at all. Not And my four boys are all very different from each other, but like, you know, more running around time or frequent breaks, you know, not the distraction they of having really girls around. Them. They really understand yep. boys, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to that. The hardest thing I'm finding about all boys school is that you're surrounded by boys who a lot of them are super competitive and aggressive and they all want to win at recess and they all need to be the best on the soccer field and they all need, and there's not a balance of, Mm. of, as a challenge. And so for my older son, who's not into those types of sports, he does his own thing with his own crew, but watch out when Beckett gets there next year. So help me God, he's going to have to really (laughs) rein in his testosterone because he is... That's a good point, actually, the competitive competitive piece. He's a competitive by nature. He wants to win. He wants to be the best. He wants to... And that's a hard environment for Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. When it comes to learning, 
they really do know they do know boys and it's I mean it's an awesome environment it's so mm-hmm. interesting I'd love to have like a conversation about schools in general mm-hmm. and education and that con- maybe there's somebody who's like an education expert yeah there's to- there are people educational consultants yeah maybe that's what it is yeah I'd love to talk about that conversation oh, okay so here's my last question how much of your kids personality I don't want to say is a predisposition but how much of it can you determine and maybe you can also speak to this too I'm sure you obviously can like when you see your eldest now, how much of that personality was sort of set in stone from like a very early age? Like when you said, my kid had anxiety at 18 months old and here we are now and they're like, you know, rounding double digits. Like how do you, how much of that rings true? Like you, the kid you saw at six months old is still the kid who's at six or eight. And the kids are the same kids as they were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, they've gotten older, but you know, the emotionality of my children, the temperaments of my children, the mannerisms, I, I think they were, they're the same. I mean, we've, they, they're they're bigger, they're more expressive, but um, I, and I think when I see new children like babies, I can predict what kind of bigger kids are going to be. Yeah, you know, not that every colicky baby is like a really obnoxious kind of older kid right. or you know more temperamental older kid, but you know a lot of those things are are pretty ingrained. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it comes through parenting too. You know, right. I think we've spoken about this before that you know parents that come in with their shoulders by their earlobes and they're like really stressed and anxious and whatever. I mean, a lot of new parents are that way. Their kids do feed off of that. feed off of that, and they they can be a little bit more temperamental. And the parents that come in like, oh, this is amazing, and like what an amazing experience, and no big deal. I was up all night feeding, but it's okay. It's amazing. Those kids do tend to be a little bit more chill. I think mm. um, kids feed off of our energy and our anxiety and, and our cortisone for sure. Yeah, Crazy. but I would say our kids are pretty much the same. Andrew, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I really think they're the same. I mean, I could have predicted that our kids were <laughs> that way from, from childhood. The more yeah. difficult baby was more and more difficult as older kids. You know, Jason was the easiest and he's still the easiest. Like, uh-huh. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was thank fun. You. Thank you, Dina. Thank you, uh, Dr. Lovey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> and you're on the mix master thank you for coming tonight and yeah, staying up way past your bedtime way past my I know. bedtime so, Dina's mm-hmm. a very very busy sc- I can, I'm like a little bit more available during the days and Dina's only available at night I didn't know you so. went to bed at 9 <laughs> we would have bucked it up a little yeah. bit babe yeah, well, next that. time next time um, we usually ask each other what we learned on this podcast do you learn anything new Dina today you know I, I love that Tia is on the same page as me yeah we're now on I'm the like, exact same we're that's writing the good, same book we're writing you, the exact you, same book you talk yeah. to our patients uh-huh. similarly yeah. so it's good yeah. oh my god I learned so much I don't know where to start I think this is awesome Tia I can't wait for you to get your little podcast going I'd love to support it I'd love to have you on my channels actually whatever let me know okay yeah let me know okay let's cool. do it awesome. thanks for coming thanks yeah for thank coming. you bye everybody mom's at sleep bye mom's at sleep more beer time for more beer for me Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope you really enjoy the content. We are eager to chat with the most interesting people about topics you care about. Please connect with us on social media at Moms That Say, at MomsTO, and at Dr. Dina Kulik, and share your comments, requests, and to continue the conversation. If you want to hear more, click subscribe and rate us too. We're all about the feedback because this podcast is for you. Have a great rest of week. Until next time.